You may be seated. Well, good evening. As Pastor Sam said, it is my, I guess, last night in my internship, and I just want to thank you all uh, for the privilege that it's been to just serve in a, a small capacity, but uh, one that has blessed me and I, I hope has blessed you as well. With that, will you please turn with me to the book of Nehemiah? Uh, We'll be reading from chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. For another of the quarter of the day, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. On the stairs of the Levites stood Jeshua, Bani, Cadmiel, Shebaniah, Bani, Sherebiah, Bani, and Kenei, and they cried with a loud voice to the Lord their God. Then the Levites, Jeshua, Cadmiel, Bani, Hashabaneah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, And the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made made with him the covenant to give to his offspring the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, and the Girgashite. And you have kept your promise, for you are righteous. And you saw the afflictions of our fathers in Egypt, and heard their cry at the Red Sea, and performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the peoples of the land. For you knew that they acted arrogantly against our fathers. And you made a name for yourself as it is to this day. And you divided the sea before them so that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land. And you cast their pursuers into the depths as a stone into mighty waters. By a pillar of cloud you led them in the day, and by a pillar of fire in the night to light for them the way in which they should go. You came down on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven, and gave them right rules and true laws, good statutes and commandments. And you made known to them your holy Sabbath. And commanded them commandments and statutes and a law by Moses, your servant. 
You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought water for them out of the rock for their thirst. And you told them to go in to possess the land that you had sworn to give them. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. Even when they had made for themselves a golden calf and said, This is your God who brought you up out of Egypt and had committed great blasphemies, you and your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way by which they should go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. And you gave them kingdoms and peoples and allotted to them every corner. So they took possession of the land of Sihon, king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. You multiplied their children as the stars of heaven, and you brought them into the land that you had told their fathers to enter and possess. So the descendants went in and possessed the land, and you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hand. With their kings and the peoples of the land, they might do with them as they would. And they captured fortified cities in a rich land and took possession of houses full of all good things, cisterns already hewn, already hewn, vineyards, olive orchards, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled with, filled and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their back and killed your prophets who had warned them in order to turn them back to you. And they committed great blasphemies. Therefore you gave them into the hand of their enemies, who made them suffer, and in time of their suffering they cried out to you, and you heard them from heaven. And according to your great mercies you gave them saviors who saved them from the hand of your enemies. But after they had rest, they did evil again before you, and you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they turned and cried to you, you heard from heaven, and many times you delivered them according to your mercies. And you warned them in order to turn them back to your law. Yet they acted presumptuously and did not obey your commandments, but sinned against your rules, which if a person does them, he shall live by them. And they turned a stubborn shoulder and stiffened their neck and would not obey. Many years you bore with them and warned them by your spirit through your prophets, yet they would not give ear. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great mercies, you did not make an end of them or forsake them, for you are a gracious and merciful God. Now therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love, Let not all the hardship seem little to you that has come upon us, upon our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all your people, since the time of the kings of Assyria until this day. 
Yet you have been righteous in all that has come upon us, for you have dealt faithfully, and we have acted wickedly. Our kings, our princes, our priests, and our fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and your warnings that you gave them. Even in their own kingdom and amid your great goodness that you gave them and in the large and rich land that you set before them, they did not serve you or turn from their wicked works. Behold, we are slaves this day in the land that you gave to our fathers to enjoy its fruit and its good gifts. Behold, we are slaves. And its rich yield goes to the kings whom you have set over us because of our sins. They rule over our bodies and over our livestock as they please, and we are in great distress. Because all of this, we make a firm covenant in writing on a sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. Amen. As for the reading of God's holy word, let us go now to the Lord in prayer and ask him to bless it to us. Our almighty God and gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you and praise you, Lord, as we have read for your faithfulness. Lord, as we survey your, your mighty acts and how you are truly a mighty and, and awesome God, a God who keeps covenant and mercy forever. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we also ask that this evening you would help us to, to hear the word as it is opened, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and may our hearts be filled up with a, a joy for your word. And Lord, may we respond as we see here. May we respond in, in, in prayer and in confession, but also in joy in the mercies and promises of you, Lord. Lord, we thank you, and we ask all of this in your son's matchless name. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, dear congregation, this evening, we, as we've seen, we come briefly to the book of Nehemiah. And the, the book of Nehemiah traces for us God's providential work in the rebuilding of the temple, as well as the reformation of Jewish worship upon their return from their exile in Babylon. It provides for us a, a significant contribution to redemptive history. It's a contribution that would be to the advancement of the, the coming of the fullness of time when Christ would come. And as we, we look at Nehemiah, most of us when we come to this book, we see Nehemiah just as a, as a builder of the temple, as a builder of the temple. But as we read on in this book, we see that Nehemiah also realized that Israel's greatest need was not a wall, it was not a wall. Rather, it was a dedication to God. It was a spiritual dedication to God. And, and we'll see this this evening. Um, it was a, a, a zeal for God's house and for God's name that, that drove Nehemiah to do what he did. And it's in doing this and in, in, in examining Nehemiah, we actually see that Nehemiah points us to a greater rebuilder. He points us to Christ who, who would come and who would save his people from their sin and deliver them from their spiritual bondage and exile from God. Well, in, in helping us set the context for this evening, I, I just kind of want to run through the book. In, in chapter 1, we see that, that Nehemiah is struck to the heart. 
He struck to the heart after hearing of the plight and the affliction of the Jews who had returned from Babylon to Jerusalem. And it's in his providential position as the the king's cupbearer that he petitions the king to return to Jerusalem. He petitions the king to return and to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. So in chapters 2 through 7, this is really what we see. We see Nehemiah returning in chapter 2, and he goes out into the night, and he surveys the destruction of Jerusalem. And then as, he, as we move on through, through the rest of the chapters, what we really see is, is uh, Nehemiah coming alongside the people to rebuild the wall. And they're doing this against both external opposition and internal strife. They're doing this in the midst of, of others coming against them. Well, as we, we come to chapter 8, this is upon the, the completion of the wall and this listing of the returned exiles. And what we see here is we read, we actually read here that Ezra the priest brings in the law before the congregation of both men and women and all who could hear with understanding. He brings in the law and he reads the the law of the Lord to the people. And after this, the the people begin to mourn and and they, they call them to not mourn because they set this day aside or set it apart as holy, as holy. And then we see in the rest of chapter 8 that they begin to, to return back to the ceremonial law. They, they observe the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, and, and they celebrate this. But it's as we continue on in, in chapter 9, we, we see this great response. We see this great response in, in verse 1. There it says, Now in the, the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth. Upon hearing of the word and reading the word and worshiping and returning to the law, they, they come to the Lord to, to assemble themselves together. And they do this for the sake of fasting and confession of sins before the Lord. They do this before the Lord. So we see this glorious response to the word of God. We see this glorious response to the word of God. And it's in God's providence that this morning, Pastor Sam has been helping us see and understand the law and its uses for us. And and this morning, he asked us all a question. And for you, if you weren't here this morning, for all of you, that question was, how do we, excuse me, I, I lost my place. How do we, keep the law of God? How do we keep the law of God? How do we keep the law of God? And throughout this morning's sermon, we were directed to keep the fullness and depth of God's law in all of life. And Pastor Sam showed us that we do this, we do this by the keeping of our hearts. And he said, because it's the keeping of the heart is the, is the keeping, or is the heart of the law. The keeping of the heart is the heart of the law. It's the heart of the law. So how do we, we come to that law? How do we, we, we keep our hearts? Well, that was answered for us this morning. I want to now turn and ask a similar yet different question. How do we respond? How do we respond to the word of God? Or what is a proper response to the word of God? What is a proper response to the word of God? 
Well, in in context of chapter 9, our theme this evening in answering this question is that we respond to the word of God by, by seeking our mighty and merciful God who saves and restores a miserable people to worship and communion. I'll say that again. We respond to the word of God by seeking our mighty and merciful God who saves and restores a miserable people to worship and communion. And I want to consider this theme tonight under three particulars. The first of which is by acknowledging a mighty God. Acknowledging a mighty God. The second is by acknowledging a miserable people and a merciful God. Acknowledging a miserable people and a merciful God. And third and finally, I want to examine a meek repentance and amend of worship. A meek repentance and amend of worship. Well, as, as we come to this text and, and as we, we consider this theme, I really want us to focus, uh, we'll, we'll go through the entire book, but I want us to focus on cha- uh, verse 32 of this chapter. And here we read, Now therefore our God, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love, let not all the hardship seem little to you that has come upon us, Upon our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all your people since the time of the kings of Assyria until this day. You see, it's here that they acknowledge this mighty God. They begin to acknowledge a mighty God, but they also acknowledge their own position. They say, let not all this hardship seem little to you. And it's after this that we'll see that they come to this place of repentance and and a return or a recommitment to, to the Lord and to his worship. But first, let's, let's see this in light of a mighty God. We see, again, that they acknowledge God as great. They acknowledge him as mighty and awesome. But if we pay, pay clo- close attention to this, this prayer from verse 1 all the way through the end of the chapter, we will see that God's, the, that God's mighty acts are woven throughout. They're woven throughout our text. We can begin in in verse 6 where it says that you are the Lord, you alone. They acknowledge that that God is the only God. And then in the rest of verse 6, we see this this great um, recounting in a poetic fashion, very reminiscent of of Psalm 104, but this, this great recounting of God's divine works of creation and providence. We're seeing them recount God's mighty acts in creation and the preserving of them. This would be uh, God's creation would set into motion all the rest or set in motion for the progression of redemptive history. Through this would come his promised seed. They continue on in verse 7 and 8. We see the mighty acts of God. We see this mighty God choosing Abram. He chooses Abram to bring him out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans and and to to bring him into this promised land. And it says there in verse 7 that he gave him the name of Abraham. This would signify that Abraham was the father of multitudes or the father of all nations. We see again that God, in these verses, that God gave Abraham this covenant this covenant that through him the promised seed would come 
And through that seed and through Abraham's seed that all nations will be blessed. The recounting and even pointing to Christ here. The recounting this mighty act of God. Continuing on in 9 through 11, we see the deliverance from, from Egypt. We see the, 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 that God would come and would deliver his people from bondage under the slavery of the Egyptians. It says here that, they, he, that God saw their affliction, that he heard their cry, and that he performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh. We see the mighty acts of God's plagues in Israel. We also see the mighty act of, of God's paschal lamb of, of, of setting apart and, and passing over the people. We see here that uh, the Lord divided the mighty act of God dividing the Red Sea, bringing the Israelites through and smashing their pursuing enemies. In verse 12, we see God's provision and, and uh, direction in the wilderness. We see that God would, would have a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night to lead the people into the promised land. He did not leave them alone. This was a mighty act of a mighty God. They recount the mighty act of, of God's giving of the law. That, that the Lord, after bringing them out of, of the bondage, he would give them a law to teach them of his character and how to live. What a mighty act of a God stooping down or condescending to us to show us how to live. We see in verse 15 the, the provision of manna, God's mighty act of, of providing for his people when they were in the land for 40 years. We see a mighty God at work and they're, they're acknowledging this mighty God. And the beauty of this for us, it doesn't stop here. As we come to this text, we can continue on in redemptive history. We can continue on in the canon, and we see God's mighty act in, in bringing Christ. We know that in the fullness of time, God brought forth his son. We can, we can see God's mighty act in, in raising up his son and, and the teachings of his son and, and showing us the way of righteousness. And teaching us that the whole word of God points to him. We can see God's mighty act in Christ's humiliation. In his suffering under the people in the garden. We can see God's mighty act, mighty act in, in Christ's crucifixion. We can also see God's mighty act in his, his resurrection and, and, and raising of Christ. All of this points to the greatest of all of these acts, which is that Christ would come and die for a people. And not only would he die and, and, and forgive them and justify them of their sins, he would bring them back into communion and worship with himself. Oh, what a mighty act of the Lord. We can continue on and look throughout church history of God uh, or as, as we move in, as we've been studying the book of Acts, and as we move to the book of Acts, we can see God's mighty acts of preserving his church and raising up and building and expanding his church, of his sustaining the, the apostles, uh, their teaching and their doctrine. As we, we move to early church history, we can see God's mighty acts in preserving his word, 
and preserving his doctrine through raising up men to, to stand against the enemies of the gospel for the sake of, of, of truth. Or the preserving of his word that we can sit here today and have this in our hands. Oh, what a mighty act of a mighty God. But I want you to also think about your own lives. I want you to think about a mighty God and the mighty acts that he's done for you. We need to acknowledge this mighty God in our own lives. We need to acknowledge that God called us out of sin and called us out of darkness. That he called us out, out of a life of sin and misery and he brought, him, brought us into communion with himself. He's filled us with his spirit and he's given us understanding into the things of his word and the things of him. We can see God's mighty acts around us in, in the preserving of the church, of the, the, the provisions for our own local congregations uh, to sustain not only our pastors, but our building funds and, and our support for missions and for the needy. We can see God's mighty acts, acts as we, we consider what the Lord has, has done in answering our prayer. I, I think of this morning of, of our prayer of intercession where, where we acknowledge that the Lord had heard our cry and our plea for a family and their child. What a mighty act of a mighty God. But I have to ask the question, do you acknowledge this mighty God? Do you make it a habit of regularly acknowledging this mighty God? Do you, you take time to, to meditate or to, to pray and to, to think upon this great God. And my question for you is if you don't, why not? And I would say my, my plea to you would be to begin day after day to meditate upon the great truths of this mighty God. To go back and just like the Levites are doing here and, and the people of Israel, they're recounting God's great and mighty acts. This is causing them to worship and to grow in their love for the Lord. Kids, I, I can think about you. I, I, I would say meditate upon all those great stories that you hear. Meditate on, on the stories of Adam and Eve and of Noah and of Abraham and of Joseph and of Moses and of David and, and, and of the, the stories we see in the Gospels. Meditate upon those truths. I would also say if this is a practice of yours, I would say, are you sharing this? Though you are acknowledging in your, your meditation of this mighty God, do people know that you serve this mighty God? Do they know that you serve this mighty God? The beauty of this is, is we seek, we serve, and we commune with a mighty God who keeps covenant and mercy. We serve a faithful God. And when we consider this, we will, like the Israelites in Nehemiah, come to a consideration of our miserable estates and the faithfulness of God, which leads me to the next point, or my next point, the acknowledging of a miserable people and a merciful God. Look with me at verse 16 says here that they 
They and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffed, stiffened their neck, and they did not obey your commandments. Verse 17, they refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them, but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. Even in this recounting of all of God's mighty acts and of this, this mighty God, it brings the Levites to a consideration of their fathers and the sins of their fathers. It, it brought them to a consideration that, that this holy, great, and mighty God is served by, by such a miserable people who are so quick to turn their back on the Lord. So quick to turn their back on the Lord. And as, as we, we look through this text, the, the beauty of what we see is we, we see this contrasting of the unfaithfulness of the Israelites with the faithfulness and mercy of God. And this is important for us to, to see and to consider. We read here that, that even though God brought them out of the land of Egypt, they were so quick to turn from God. They were so quick to go and to appoint a leader to build them a calf and they were ready to say, that's who brought us out of the land of Egypt. They were so quick. They were so quick. But as we read on there in, in verse 17, it, they, they say, and we read here, that God was ready to forgive. He was gracious and merciful. God was slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he did not forsake them. Even in the midst of, of the unfaithfulness of Israel, God continues to be faithful. He continues on to, to say that even though that they did this blasphemy, God continued to bring them into the promised land. He continued to work through the people by, by bringing them into the promised land. What a great mercy of the Lord. It says that he, he gave them his spirit to instruct them and he did not withhold manna. He continued to provide for their, their physical needs as well as their spiritual needs. The Lord was faithful amidst the unfaithfulness of the Israelites. Moving on, it says that he gave them kingdoms. After bringing them into the, the, the land, he, he gave them kingdoms and peoples, and he allotted to them every corner. He gave them possession of the land. He multiplied their children, and he brought them out of the land and how did they respond? They respond in disobedience and unfaithfulness. They responded as a miserable people in a miserable estate. Yet God, again, was faithful. We read of God's faithfulness. We hear here that God sent them prophets to, to bring them to return a great mercy of God, and they responded by killing them. They were disobedient, and they rebelled against the law of the Lord. They put it behind, it says they cast it behind their backs, and they killed the prophets. We see that through that, God gave them over to their enemies, and, and at the time of their suffering, they cried out, and the Lord heard them. Amidst a disobedient people when they cried to the Lord the Lord was faithful and merciful he was faithful and merciful to the people and this happened over and over 
and over again. And you would think even here, and I'm going to expand on this, but as we we look at Nehemiah, they come back to a place to acknowledge all of this, to acknowledge not only their father's sins and disobedience, to acknowledge the faithfulness and mercy of the Lord. They acknowledge their own sins. But again, as we are a people who have continued revelation from here, and, and we see the coming of Christ And when God sent forth his Messiah, his Christ, his anointed one, the people yet again rebelled. They they spurned the Son of God. They mocked him. They did not believe him. They, They blasphemed against him. And eventually they crucified him on the cross. What great disobedience. What what a miserable people we see in Scripture. And yet, God in his mercy, through that crucifixion and the spilling of his son's blood, forgave them. We, also, we have that, that great verse where Christ on the cross says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What a great mercy to a miserable people. We need to acknowledge this. We not only need to acknowledge that God is mighty, but we need to acknowledge that we are a miserable people and God is a merciful God. And we too, in our own lives and in our own day and age, we act presumptuously. We, we stiffen our necks, we harden our hearts, and we do not obey the Lord. And yet God is merciful. He's merciful to us each time we come to him and cry out to him and repent. We need to acknowledge our past sins. We need to acknowledge, just as the Levites did here, we need to acknowledge the miserable estate of our church and of ourselves, of our families. We need to bring this before the Lord, but in doing so, we also need to remember the faithfulness of God, just as the, the Levites and the Israelites are doing here. They're, they're acknowledging a mighty God. They're acknowledging their miserable estate, and they're acknowledging the faithfulness of God. So I again ask you, is this a practice of yours? Do you remember past sins, not to to bring yourself down or to burden yourself, but to see the glory and the beauty and the preciousness of Christ's forgiveness to you? To see his mercy that has abounded towards you and has been richly and lavishly poured out upon you? Is this a practice of yours? Is this a practice of yours? When you, when you come week in and week out to the Lord's Day service, are, are, you, are you taking what is being given to you to heart? Are you responding in a way that acknowledges the, the great and mighty and awesome God? Are you acknowledging the love and mercy, but also acknowledging the miserable estate in which even after our redemption, we still can continue to remain? Are you turning back to this God? Which leads me to my third and final point tonight, a meek repentance and amend of worship. A meek repentance and amend of worship. Look with me again at verse 32. They again say, Now therefore our God, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love, let not all the hardship seem little to you that has come upon us, upon our kings, our princes, 
our priest, our prophets, our fathers, and all your people since the time of the kings of Assyria until this day. Yet you have been righteous in all that has come upon us, for you have dealt faithfully and we have acted wickedly. Our kings, our princes, our priests, and our fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and your warnings that you gave them. Even in their own kingdom and amid your great goodness that you gave them and in the large and rich land that you set before them, they did not serve you or turn from their wicked works. Behold, we are slaves this day in the land that you gave to our fathers to enjoy in its fruits and its good gifts. Behold, we are slaves and in its rich yield goes to the kings whom you have set over us because of our sins. They rule over our bodies and over our livestock and they, as they please, and we are in great distress. Because all of this, we make a firm covenant in writing on a sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. You see, upon acknowledging this mighty God, upon acknowledging the miserable estate of the people of themselves and the faithfulness of God, in turn, this leads them in responding in repentance. They return to the Lord and say that the Lord is a great and mighty and awesome God. They say that he is one who keeps covenant and steadfast love. They are turning to the Lord saying, not because of what we have done, but because of what you have promised. We're coming to that. Because of that covenant love, we're returning to you. And they say there, let not all hardship seem little to you that has come upon us. That's saying, have compassion upon us for our troubles. Have compassion upon us. We acknowledge our sin. We acknowledge our affliction. But let this not be troublesome to you. Let it not seem small. Have compassion upon us. But this is a, a meek repentance. This is a repentance that is given by the Lord that is truly strength under constraint to turn from sin and to acknowledge a great God. And they don't do this haphazardly. Notice what they say. They say that we have acted wickedly. We have acted wickedly. The Lord has been righteous and has dealt with us faithfully, but we have acted wickedly. That's no small repentance. That's a, that's a strong repentance. That's a strong turning from sin and from the rebellion back to the Lord and acknowledging his his great and mighty acts and his faithfulness and his mercy towards them. We need to consider this as, as we come to the word of God. We need to consider that as, as we come each and every week to the house of God, are, are we responding in a way that we're acknowledging the greatness of the Lord, that we're acknowledging his power, we're acknowledging his, his mercy, we're acknowledging his redemption to us in Christ, but we're also acknowledging our sin, we're coming, seeking to repent and to turn, to turn back to him. We're seeking grace, we're seeking mercy, we're also seeking joy, the joy that comes from coming back to the Lord. This is, a, this is a, a meek repentance. This is something that we, we, we often think we only have to do when it comes to big sins. 
or the sins that we see here listed, or when we come to the chapters where we see David murdering and adultery, those, those are the sins that I need to repent of. It's daily that we fall short of what God has commanded us. It's daily that we turn our backs, that we harden our hearts, and that we disobey the commandments of the Lord. It's daily that we may not uh, consciously do this, but we, we turn to other gods. And what I mean by that is we turn to other things to comfort us. We need to repent of this. We need to come back to the Lord who is faithful, the one who has promised to uphold us and sustain us and to keep us. But we also must recommit our lives. We need to mend our worship. We need to mend our worship. And I know, and I say this because we are in an RP, we, we look at our worship, and I'm so thankful for for our sessions, for our presbytery, for our standards and our testimony and our, our directory of public worship because that, that helps us to, to worship God faithfully. But even having the right modes does not necessarily mean that our hearts are right in worship. We still can come under the right forms of worship and miss it entirely and completely. So when we come here week in and week out and we, we come to our, our order of service and we, we hear this call to worship, that should call us to a place where we're going before the Lord and we're seeking to receive from him, to be comforted by him, to be forgiven by him, to receive joy and communion. And from that point on in the service, it's all directed to the worship of God. And it's sad in, in our day and age that, that most worship is man-centered. It's man-centered. It's focused on the man and what can be done for the man, but that's not the point of worship. Our worship needs to be a recommitment to the glory of God. And that's what we see the Israelites and the Levites doing here. And we can't look at them and say, well, that was the covenant of nation, the, the covenant of nation. That's the nation of Israel. No, we are the covenant people of God. We are the church of God. And we also have an obligation to, to return to the Lord and to worship him as he commands. And this is a great joy for us. This isn't a burden. This isn't something that, that comes upon our hearts. It's, a, a bur- it's, a, it's not a burden to us. It is a joy. It is a joy that we have the scriptures where we can come and we can acknowledge a mighty God. We can look at all of his redemptive acts and his mighty acts and his miracles and his wonders and all of his signs and everything that we're given. What a a joy that is that we have the privilege to recount that. That we can look out into our own lives and we can see that, that God has not only redeemed us, but he's redeemed those around us. And he's also put us on mission to share this good news of this mighty God to the world. We can recount the wonders and the mercies of God to the people around us, to our our unbelieving family members and coworkers, to our neighbors. We have a great privilege here to acknowledge this God. And if there is anyone here tonight, I I hope that you're seeing this this great and this mighty God that, that... he would do all of, all of these things for, for his people, even though they were stiff-necked, that they were, were broken and they were in a miserable estate, that they were sinful and rebellious, 
that the Lord would be faithful to them and he would hear them when they cry. I hope that is a testimony to you to come to this great God. We need to keep before us as we come to the word of God who God is and what God has done. We also need not to be like the Israelites and act presumptuously like somehow we deserve this or deserve to be here. Rather that God is faithful and that God through his covenant and through his mercy sustains us and upholds us and brings us into communion with himself. We need to be here like the Levites. We need to to acknowledge as we, we come to the word of God week in and week out, we need to respond in a way that glorifies and honors the Lord, that acknowledges him for who he is, that, that puts us in our right place and perspective, and that, that brings us into a place to worship him as we ought, as he calls us to worship him. So I want to conclude with this. We need to be mindful. We need to be mindful that when we we come again to public worship or when we're in private worship or or family worship or even when we are, are, are just speaking of God to others, we need to be mindful and we need to, to keep in mind God's providences and his, his righteousness. And, and we need to... to take this as a time to humble ourselves we need to humble ourselves because times of humbling for us they're they're important for our walk with the lord so i want to ask are you incorporating ways in your life that are that are doing exactly what the levites are doing here when you hear the word preached on a lord's day are you responding in a way that's acknowledging the lord that's humbling yourself before him, confessing your need and running to him to fulfill that need and seeking for him to give you the grace to to repent and to turn and to kill your sin. These habits in your life. I can think of of many examples. We, we, We have prayer meetings in our churches we have prayer groups we have have things and and i myself have used excuses of why not to come but are we responding to god's word in a way that shows the joy of coming and communing with the lord are we mindful are we keeping an eye to the the lord's providence and to his righteousness to how great of a god he is of whom we serve and worship Are we teaching our children and our grandchildren? Are we teaching all of those around us of the great works of God? How he has worked them for us and for others? Are you sharing with others? Do we remember that God is righteous and that he keeps his promises, but that we are wicked and that we break God's laws? We keep that into remembrance. When we come to the word of God, do, do we respond in a way that acknowledges our own sin and misery, but also the faithfulness and righteousness of the Lord?
We need to recognize, we need to humble ourselves and recognize that we are no different. We are no different than what we read here. But I hope we can learn from the Israelites here that we are to respond in a way that honors the Lord. We are to respond in in prayer and confession of sins and acknowledging our need for him and a return to him and amend of our worship before him. We need to be those who, who cry out for the grace of Jesus Christ daily. We need to cry out for the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ daily as we come to the word. So again, I, and I want to end with this, as we said in the beginning, not the only proper response, but a proper response as we see here is that we are to respond to the word of God by seeking our mighty and merciful God who saves and restores miserable people to worship and communion with him. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we we are truly humbled that we are able to come and to serve such a a gracious and mighty God. Lord, and and as we acknowledge our our need and our our want of you, Lord, we, we confess that we fall short daily of what you require of us. Lord, as we, we see the Israelites here, we see ourselves. We see that you have done so much great and mighty acts in our own lives. And yet we turn our backs on you almost daily. Lord, help us each and every day to live a life of repentance. To come to you in prayer and to, to acknowledge you for who you are. Lord, help us to to see the beauty and the glory and the grace of Jesus Christ. And yet even though we fall way short of what we require, let us see the faithfulness and the mercy that we have in your great son. Let that bring joy to our hearts as we continue to seek after you daily, as we continue to mend our lives in conformity to your son. Lord, help us as we, we come each week to worship as we worship in private and in our families. Lord, help us to keep an eye to you, to keep our eyes fixed upon you and who you are and what you have done as well as what you require. Lord, and we do ask that you would give us those things because we have great need of you for we acknowledge we cannot do this on our own. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this day where we can come and commune together as your saints. Lord, bless this time and bless the the rest of this worship service we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you'd please.